0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Saturday, January 6th. It's been a little bit since we've been on the pod. I think it's been a couple weeks. Our last episode was, I think, December 21st, so right before Christmas. Or no, that, that was when we were going we to do our last episode, but our actual last episode was before... I got tatted. <laughs> um, yeah, it was December fourteenth. So it's actually been about three weeks since we've done our last episode. Little bit of time in between then and now. We just had. I mean, the holidays were kind of busy. We use. We typically don't really do episodes over the holidays. You know, that week between Christmas and New Year's, uh, we were away and we kind of had busy schedules during then. So we couldn't really couldn't really get an episode out. But we are back today, right before National Championship Monday and then right before the last week of the NFL regular season to give you guys kind of a kind of a roundup episode on both sports uh it, it's sad to see football go i mean we still have playoffs you know NFL playoffs but it's sad to see college football completely op- over basically and then uh, you know obviously NFL is coming down to coming down to less games per weekend we still got some playoffs like i said but it's going to be more sparse than it has been for the past uh, 18 weeks, so that's a little bit sad. But uh, but we're gonna we're gonna kind of give you a little bit of a roundup, like I said, and then we're maybe gonna touch up on some college basketball, kind of just giving you a little state of the game uh, at at the end here. But maybe again, it's it's kind of still tentative. We're gonna make that decision during the episode while we're talking about college football. We're gonna see where we're at in terms of time, and then we're gonna kind of assess if we can fit college basketball in but I've got Matt on the other end here he is we are in person our last few episodes well I, I guess really our last episode was in person and it this one will be in person and then if we do another one right before I go back to school that one will be in person as well so hopefully maybe not another in-person episode in between now and when I go back to school around mid-January but yes Matt is sitting right next to me Matt how are you
1: yeah, I mean, so the goal is to first of all, both of us probably sound terrible. We are kind of yeah. kind of coming off of a, yes. a, a flu like type of type of deal, but we're Michael Jordan. We're playing through the flu, uh, That's right. so well, actually, we're kind of both getting over it now, which yeah. is why we actually have a voice to be able to talk. But we still kind of sound sound bad. I, I get so congested; it's horrible. Anyway, um, yeah, the, the the plan was to kind of just. I mean, again, today's a Saturday, and for us recording it, you know, obviously by the time most of you are listening to this, it's going to be during the week of, pretty much essentially after the national championship for college, and kind of during the week uh, leading up to the first round of the NFL playoffs, and so, but as we're sitting here right now, none of this has happened. Like, week 18 in the NFL still has to happen. We don't know who's making the playoffs, and then the college football national championship still has to be played as well. So, for kind of, for us sitting here right now, that's kind of why, With the, the goal of this episode is kind of just wrap up the seasons, as Hayden said, kind of, you know, kind, of kind of review of review. What has happened in, in both the NFL and college football kind of, you know, big general topics to end the year, like, you know, like can said, we did an episode kind of three weeks ago. Talking about the kind of the state of the game, now it's kind of just like, hey, here's what we had. Here's a conclusion, you know, semi. And then next week, kind of in the middle of the week, we'll be able to kind of have an episode going over the national championship in college football. Right, what we noticed, you know, what the storylines are coming out of that. Because thankfully, we will have a new national champion. Uh, I mean, Michigan won like, you know, 65 years ago or whatever. But essentially, there's no SEC champion that's going to be uh, in the mix here, which I think is probably the biggest deal. And for either one of these schools, is going to win the college football championship. It's going to be, um, it, it's going to be pretty, you know, insane for that, for that program. So we'll be able to kind of go over that, you know, the effects of that. And then obviously going into next year and kind of the, you know, the, um, the, 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 the way that these conferences are going to look going forward and all that, like we'll get into that too, in the end of this episode, talking about Florida state a little bit. Uh, and then obviously kind of previewing the NFL playoffs is, is kind of our goal for next week to kind of get back on track with where we're at with the seasons.
0: Um, So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. Just going to dive in. There we go. All right, move let's move into NFL. So after leading the Ravens to a pretty heavy beatdown of the 49ers a couple weeks back, Lamar leapfrogged Brock Purdy in the MVP conversation, and then he basically solidified his chances of winning the coveted award with an absolute slaughtering of the Miami Dolphins last week. I think they beat they beat the, the Dolphins like Fifty six, 56, yeah, yeah. fifty six to thirteen, which is insane. I mean, you, you almost never see fifty points scored in the NFL, much less like over forty. And you know, we only we really only see that a couple times a year. But Lamar was able to do that, and then some against a Miami defense, which is actually pretty good. Um, obviously, the Dolphins are kind of you know up there in the AFC, so they've they've got a pretty well rounded team, and their offense wasn't able to do anything against the the Ravens. And then obviously Lamar was just impeccable in that game so he's pretty much leapfrogged I mean not pretty much he he has leapfrogged everybody I think at this point he's minus 20,000 or something like that to win MVP because like we said that game between the Ravens and the 49ers was so important in in showing who should win an MVP and then obviously you know we we've we've kind of already assessed in past episodes how the MVP at really at this point is just the quarterback of the best team and so you saw the Ravens kind of sneak ahead of the the 49ers and show that they are at this point in the season better than the 49ers, uh, and so you obviously have the quarterback of the of the, of the better team being Lamar. He's probably going to win the MVP now. So, are we? Uh, this is kind of just to revisit our topic from last episode because I had a bone to pick with the MVP award last episode because that was when Brock Purdy was still supposed to win it. So I'm going to pose this question, Matt: Are we satisfied with this award and where it's at? Do we like that Lamar is going to get it? Um, and, you know, obviously we probably have some um, some similar opinions on this, but I'm going to ask Matt first. Are we satisfied right now? Uh,
1: yes. The answer, the short answer is yes, mostly because uh, on our preview episode all the way back like four months ago, I said Lamar is one of my MVP candidates, and that we only we only listed like one or two people. So I, I was I was, and again, as I've said, and I want to keep saying, I was high on the Ravens the entire time. I said they were going to be the one seed. They are the one seed. So yeah, I've just been the biggest Ravens fan that there is. And and but I think kind of the way that I want to take this is, and and I think it's almost good to kind of if you haven't listened to our last last episode, please go do that. As I said said it was about three weeks ago when this was kind of the the, the hot topic within the NFL. You know, kind of narrative was you know is is Brock Purdy a worthy MVP candidate? worthy MVP winner essentially because at that point he was favorite. I mean it was like he was like minus 300 minus 400 to win the MVP and that was because that was kind of in that middle of you know the 49ers whatever eight game win streak they were blowing everybody out you know the the, the Cowboys and the Eagles like all the good teams that the 49ers play they just they just boat raced everybody and Brock Purdy hadn't had a you know a a negative game, you know, kind of to his name yet. Even going back to last year, and right? I mean, the guy had only lost like one game, yeah, or I think in his starts he was like you know fourteen and one or something like that. So it, that's kind of what we went over was like you know there 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 is a case for other people to be in the MVP discussion, but I think the problem that we kept running into was the fact that like. There are other people worthy of the MVP, but the fact of the matter is the MVP always goes to these quarterbacks, right? It's essentially the quarterback of the best team, or at least one of the quarterbacks on one of the teams that gets the one seed in either of the conferences. And and realistically, that's kind of what we ended up with again, where, you know, the 49ers and the Ravens are each of, you know, they're, they're each the one seeds in their respective conferences and they're kind of quarter the quarterbacks of those teams were the you know were the two guys that were kind of up for debate and 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 we even discussed this on the podcast and in talking about this was basically like you know right is Brock Purdy worthy of being the MVP right you know you have Christian McCaffrey you have Trent Williams you have a a great defense you know you have Debo Sant, like all these kind of weapons around him where it's like you know, there's, there's an argument to be made that, you know, he is very much a system quarterback. Now there's a lot that you can kind of present to Brock Purdy's side of being that, you know, he ex he expertly runs that system, right? I mean, there's nobody like, you know, they've had quarterback, like kind of in, you know, in the interim after Jimmy G, like they had other quarterbacks and Nick Mullins was, you know, not that great. You know, he, he was kind of just as, as as much as he's been with the Vikings this year. Um, They had a couple other, I think, starting quarterbacks. We saw Sam Darnold for a little bit. he, didn't look that great. So, you know, there there's there's been a lot of other guys kind of that 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 have been able to kind of come into this Kyle Shanahan system and not be as good as Brock Purdy has been. And you even look at the passing stats. Like um I think the I think the EPA stat was like the difference between Brock Purdy and, and the second place person, which I think now is Lamar and again, after these few last few games, Lamar has has kind of kind of closed the gap there, but at the point that we were talking about this, when everybody was kind of, you know, hating on Brock Purdy was, you know, the difference in EPA between him and the second-place person, which I think was Lamar at that point, was bigger than the difference between Lamar and second and, like, the 15th-place guy in the league, right? Like, halfway through the league. So it's essentially, like, Brock Purdy is double as good as as an average starting quarterback when it comes to expected points added per drive on a, on a you know, on a, a per-play basis. So, like, that kind of stuff, and, like, he has, I think, the... the 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 second most passing yards in the league or, or something like that he has the, I think he has the most passing touchdowns so even statistically like Brock Purdy has been absolutely killing it and, and and an average starting quarterback wouldn't be able to produce as well as he is and and so there's definitely I think some shine that be that that still deserves to go to Brock Purdy. But then again, too, it's his second year in the league. He was the last pick in the draft. I think he will he will have plenty of time. And again, the forty nine ers are going to be consistently good as long as they can guys basically just you know continue to pay Trent Williams and, and Nick Bosa. So like, and I think that'll happen. So I think that he'll get his shine. There's also a, a very good potential that the forty nine ers win the Super Bowl, right? So it's like if you ask Brock Purdy, hey, would you rather have an NFL MVP or a Super Bowl ring? You know, anybody in the world would say Super Bowl ring hundred times out of a hundred. So, you know, that that's kind of I think to kind of sum up like it's it's. We did end up with the game essentially the 49ers and Ravens on Christmas Day, for essentially the winner of that game, the quarterback of the winning team would would go on to win the MVP, and that's exactly what happened. Now it just so happened that during that game, Lamar looked like the MVP of the league, and Brock pretty threw four interceptions, right? So it was like it was it was extremely you know it, there there was there was one extreme or the other uh, being played by both of those quarterbacks in that game, which kind of made it so easy for Lamar to be the pick. Oh, and then, by the way, as Hayden mentioned, you had the Dolphins game a week later for the Ravens where, you know, right, they, they put up 56, and, and it's like, it, look, it looks easy for them, right? So the MVP went to the right person, right, in my mind, and and I even said it before the season because I thought that he had the potential to do this. He also, you know, he he won the MVP also in 2019, so is going to be a second MVP. The interesting part is, and, and we'll get it, we'll talk about this, you know, a lot next week, is kind of going into the playoffs is like, you know, great you know the stats are amazing he he is he is the most electric player in football um and he has been the best player this year and he's only played I think this is his fifth year and he's won two MVPs two out of five MVPs I think and Patrick Mahomes has done the, the same thing right two out of five years he won the MVP so the only difference is though Patrick Mahomes already has two Super Bowls and and that's kind of been the 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 nagging part about this you know Lamar narrative is that he hasn't had that playoff success right they had the one seed two years ago the year after he won the MVP. You know, they, they rest everybody in week 18, they have the bye week, they go into the game against the Titans, and they get their doors blown off at home. And so, kind of, I think the, the you know, what, what's going to have to be talked about now is the fact that, great, he won the MVP, he deserved it, you know, it, it was an amazing season, he has now two MVPs, he's, you know, probably on track to becoming a Hall of Fame quarterback, but but the one stat that's going to probably hold him down is, can he, you know, get grab that elusive Super Bowl? And again, that's, that's projecting way, you know, way far ahead, you know, about, a, about an entire month or two here, but that's kind of that that's what we're going to be looking for next but I did want to at least kind of include the fact that Brock Birdie's stats are actually better than Lamar's in terms of how efficient he has been as a quarterback but obviously the way that the Ravens ended their season you know in in, in those two you know it is it is a little bit of a recency bias thing too right where like you beat the 49ers by 20 or almost 20 um and then you beat the Dolphins by 40 so like yes in that case the Ravens end the season as looking like the you know the best team by a mile Lamar performed great in both of those games so he is deserving of the award but I do think that you know it, there there was there, there was almost a sense of people kind of waiting for or hoping that Lamar would beat Brock Purdy in that game so that Brock Purdy wouldn't win the MVP because we would have a phony winner of the MVP now again Yes, I understand. Like you know, Brock Purdy has more weapons at his disposal than Lamar. I get all of that in the, in the discussion, but I'm just saying that in terms of the efficiency of the offense and how Brock Purdy is running that offense, I think he's doing a lot a lot better job than most quarterbacks would be able to in this league. And I think that's probably going to be borne out during the playoffs that we see for the 49ers, probably you know going on a, on a pretty big run here.
0: Yeah, and I just want to point out how much Lamar has grown ever since he's en- he's entered the league. I know this is kind of cliche to say, but I mean, he's real. Like, if you look at his game from his first year in the league, like his his rookie year with the Ravens, and when he played his first snaps with the Ravens, everybody was still. I mean, even like a year after he was the starter for the for the Ravens, people were still pointing at him and saying he's a running back, right? Like, because because he he kind of just did in the NFL what he was doing in college and what worked for him in college. But he soon realized, obviously, in the NFL that it's it's a different game and you can't really. You can't look at your first or maybe second read and then take off. I mean, he he still kind of can because he's Lamar and he can make that, you know, make magic happen that way. But he's it's almost like he knows when he has the opportunity to pass downfield. He knows he he can kind of pick and choose when he takes off and when he, you know, takes off quick after after the first or second read. And then now he's able to kind of you know fool defenses with both with both sides of things, and I think a lot of people also forget that this season he hasn't had Mark Andrews for most of the season. I think Mark Andrews got hurt like in like week five or something like that. I mean it was it was pretty early on in the season, and that's pretty much his best player. I mean I mean Mark Andrews has been seen as being his best weapon over the past five years, uh, like Matt was kind of referencing. But he he hasn't had that guy this year. And I mean, Isaiah Luckley's kind of stepped up and, and been actually really good. Last game he had that um he had that sweet like one-handed catch for and then he kind of turned it upfield for a touchdown. And he's also had, you know, some, some goal line touchdowns as well. That is that's kind of helped out Lamar um, in the MVP conversation. But yeah, like Matt said, Lamar's doing it with less weapons, with less talent around him, and he's he's still kind of blowing everybody else out of the water right now. And again, this is the time to turn up like this and throw for 300 yards and five touchdowns in a game against the Dolphins. Yes, it is, and you know, if again, if there is a time to, um, to, you know, to have these performances, it's now when the MVP talk is, is is really coming to a close. So it is kind of good timing for Lamar. But I mean, that's that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles. And also, this is when all the teams are assumably at their best because they've played. 16 17 games with each other at this point well almost 17 and and obviously you know all the teams are kind of gelled as much as they as as they can get so Lamar being at his best and being by far the best player in the league right now is uh is 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 really fitting and it it honestly kind of you know it it makes everything it makes the whole playing field kind of even um and 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 fair in a way and I, and I think that him getting this award I mean I'm a huge Lamar fan I I he's probably like a top two or three player um, or or, or top two or three favorite player of mine in the league right now. And him winning his second MVP this season is going to be awesome to see. So, um, yeah. So I kind of just wanted to point out how much he's grown because again, we, we didn't see this level of play. Like we, when, when he won his first MVP, he was doing a lot of what he's doing now, but I think he was doing a little bit less of it. Like he was, he was kind of still, you know, getting his, his big boy pants on, but then this season, we've really seen him grow into um, a quarterback that's pretty pretty well unstoppable, I mean, w- between his running ability and his passing ability now. And his ability to kind of just stay, like, you know, kind of behind the line of scrimmage and make things happen. Because, again, you know, you see him make plays in front of the line of scrimmage all the time when he's running. But he's able to kind of mesh or, like, you know, mix together his his running ability behind the line of scrimmage and still make a, an, an incredible pass, you know, across his body and everything like that. So, um, yeah, so he's obviously turning into – um, you know, a, a, a top five quarterback, people have been kind of debating whether or not he's a top five quarterback as of recent, um, you know, in recent years. But I think at this point, he's kind of solidified himself there with two MVPs. So that'll be that. Um, again, kind of just want to touch up on the MVP conversation a little bit. But we're going to move into the more important topic or the, probably the topic that you guys want to hear more, um, which is our season recap of the NFL Like we said, this is week 18, last week of the regular season for the NFL. So we're each going to give our surprise of the year, our surprise team of the year, as well as our disappointment of the year, and then kind of potentially talk about where some of these teams go from here. So I'm going to hand it over to Matt here to give his, uh, well, he can give either one, but I was was thinking surprise first, and then we're going to go disappointment. But whatever you want to do, Matt, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so I'll, I'll go with my surprise team first, and it's and it's going to be the Rams. Now, I think the Rams have kind of been in a playoff seed for probably the last you know four weeks or so. Now they've also been winning every, like every single game. I think they're on a five game win streak or something. So, um, so, so there's definitely kind of some. I guess it's almost kind of like we've expected this sort of for for the Rams to make the playoffs. But you got to remember, at the beginning of the season, the Rams' season win total was six and a half. Right? This this is a team that was projected to be you know kind of almost you know in a in a top 10 pick status right essentially you know last in their division uh, well I guess the Cardinals are in their division the Cardinals are projected to be the worst team in the, in the league so I guess technically not not last in their division but but definitely not even in the playoff in the scope of the playoffs and, and and very much so in a in a kind of rebuilding uh a rebuilding sense and it's and it's interesting too because I I love the Rams in you know prior to last season, which I do think they had six or seven wins last season. And, and, and so, I, you know, I expected them to make, you know, make the playoffs. I, I said, they can make a deep run. They didn't even make the playoffs last year. And so going into this year, the team was almost worse because, you know, you trade away Jalen Ramsey, you have, you know, have all this kind of, you know, everything else is going on, you know, behind the scenes, the defense is horrible, you know, the offense, okay. You know, whatever. But it's like, they just kind of been able to, to do a lot of, you know, they just kind of been able to make the right decisions, make the right calls and, and, and win a lot of these games. They haven't had the toughest schedule, but I think that you know, just you know, compared to the preseason expectations, this Rams team has actually very much overperformed. Now, the only caveat to that is, and I think we probably even mentioned it when we were previewing this team, I said that they were going to go under their season win total. Like I projected, you know, right, a five and five and twelve or, or six and eleven season for the Rams this year. But I think you. you there was always kind of a, a path that you could see this team getting to, that would support the fact that they would be a successful, or, you know, have a successful season. That's the fact that you know, first of all, this team won won the Super Bowl two years ago. All right, so. It, given that already you have and you still have that core right you have Matthew Stafford who's probably going to be a hall of fame quarterback now that he did get that Super Bowl you have Aaron Donald who is you know probably pound for pound still the the best defensive player in the league you have Cooper Cup who won the NFL you know the the triple crown thing where he had the most receptions rece- receiving yards and receiving touchdowns on the same season two years ago he won I think he won the Super Bowl MVP too um and, and so you know an offensive player of the year in that year as well and so like you know he had one of the best receiving seasons of all time two years ago he's still on this team now he was you know he was coming back from an injury I think he came back in week six or something like that uh but you had the rise of Puka Nakua who is you know the best rookie wide receiver in the league nobody even knew his name you know before essentially he had kind of the well he he, he burst onto the scene right away essentially because Cooper Cup was out for so long but nobody expected him to be what he is now and in fact he actually only needs 29 receiving yards in this last seven. Uh, 17 or week 18 game, in order to break the record for most receiving yards by a rookie in his rookie season. Now again, he's going to get that eight or that 17th game. So technically speaking, it's you know that that record is. I mean, all these records are going to eventually be broken because of the you know the the extra game that they added a few years ago. So you know technically you know he, he fell 20 29 yards short of 26 yards short or whatever uh, of that record in 16 games, which is what the other record was set at. But still. The fact that, you know, a guy named Puka Nakua coming into the league from BYU, and he's like 25, and he's an old receiver, and he's, you know, okay, he can move pretty good. Um, The fact that he was able to even come close to this record in the first place suggests that... Nobody expected this in the first in any way, and and then you know how, how great he actually ended up being was, I think, a really cool story. But to me, the biggest part of and so that to kind of sum up what I was saying essentially is like that's a pretty good offense, still right? And and you have you know you also have Kyron Williams who came on, and, and nobody's really expecting him to be Hayden. Where did Kyron Williams go to college? Uh, Notre Dame, there you go. All righty, got exactly. him on the first try, mm-hmm. but um, but even still, I mean, right, we weren't expecting Kyron Williams to go to be great, and it's almost funny because he was great in the beginning of the season. Rams got some wins. He was on IR for I think five or six weeks. The Rams were seemed like they had lost it all. He comes back, and I think they've won six games straight. And so, honestly, f- to, to if anything, Kyron Williams is the one who has been kind of the 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 tale of the story in terms of like you know when he's playing, the offense does or the Rams really. Pre- when he's playing, the Rams are performing really well, and then when he's out, they're they're not. So, um, so so the the story to me though I think is on the defensive end, right? And and that was kind of the big thing where two years ago, when they won the Super Bowl, you had you know you obviously had you know, had um, Aaron Donald, but you had Jalen Ramsey, you had Michael Floyd, you had. Um, it, I, I'm forgetting the other guy's name, Bobby Wagner, like all these, so all these guys and there were other defensive backs in there who have been traded away since they traded away pretty much everyone on their defensive end. Besides Aaron Donald, they're out there with like two rookie cornerbacks and I think two rookie safeties as well. They got hurt during the year too. So they're a little bit banged up, but still this defense has been able to absolutely overcome any expectations that we thought. And the defensive coordinator is a guy named Raheem Morris. Now, he was the defensive coordinator for the Falcons back a few years ago. Not like during the Falcons Super Bowl run, but kind of kind of in and around that time when they were kind of coming off of Matt Ryan, but they were still in contention because Raheem Morris is a really good defensive coordinator now. When the Falcons had fired Dan Quinn and before they had hired Arthur Smith, Raheem Morris was hired to be the interim head coach of the Falcons. And it was actually really funny because he almost led them, I think, to a division title or something like that. It was, it was, it was I think, you know, four or five years ago at this point, but... But it was kind of one of those things where it was like this kind of random guy that everybody thought the Falcons were going to quit. And he almost led them to a division title as being the interim coach. And then essentially right after uh, Brandon Staley was hired away from the... Because Brandon Staley was the defensive coordinator when he had all that talent with the Rams. He was hired away to be the the, the Chargers head coach. And we see how that has worked out as he's not even the Chargers head coach anymore. Um, and Raheem Morris was hired away from the Falcons to be Brandon Staley's replacement with LA under Sean McVeigh and the Rams. And so technically and this is kind of hard for even me to consider or remember, is the fact that Raheem Morris was actually a defensive coordinator when the Rams won the Super Bowl. It wasn't Brandon Staley. I always think that oh, Brandon Staley got the head coaching job at the Chargers because he was so good as defensive defensive coordinator when the Rams won the Super Bowl. It was actually the opposite. Brandon Staley left the, the year before, and Raheem Morris was the one who was de- who was coordinating that defense that won the Super Bowl for the Rams. The difference is, Brandon Staley got the head coaching job for the Chargers because of how good his defense was with the Rams, but he had all those players. Right now, Raheem Morris had those players as well when assumed, when. They won the Super Bowl, and so yeah, it's essentially you're working with the same craft there. But we saw what, what what Brandon Staley did with his Chargers defense, which still has a lot of stars and has a lot of, you know, they're paying a lot of guys a lot of money on defense. They still couldn't play like anything. Whereas Raheem Morris won a Super Bowl with that defense that was stacked two years ago. They traded away their entire defense this past offseason, and he's still performing well with these guys who are just walk-ons, basically, off the street. Uh, you know, who who are not regular NFL talent. They're, you know, their their backups are even worse, right? So I think that's probably the key to the Ram season has been this defensive effort, combined with the fact that obviously on offense you still have pretty much that core that won the Super Bowl two years ago. Defensively, you don't have any of that core that won the Super Bowl two years ago. But Raheem Morris was still able to kind of pull everyone together. So that's my surprise of the NFL season so far.
0: All right, that's a pretty good one. I didn't I didn't expect the Rams to be mentioned here, and I honestly I think that this one is is kind of a it's kind of in the same realm as the Rams. It's obviously you know it's it's not like like I could have gotten the Texans. And just kind of gone the easy route, you know, said the cop yeah, out answer. Yeah, I,
1: I think that was that was kind of going to be my like my kind of. The, I think the backup the the yeah the easy ones are the Texans and Colts who were projected. Yeah. I think like six and a half wins to start the season. You had rookie head coaches, you had rookie quarterbacks, and like both of those coaches have been have done really well. You had CJ Stroud's emergence, even though you know Anthony Richardson got hurt. Creed has played well. Shane Steichen is 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 coordinating the heck out of that offense. So I do think that yeah, those are kind of the you know kind of the two, but they've kind of been the the candidates for like the you know the coach of the year type stuff because of how yeah. well they've done with their new team. So I think those are kind of your 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 easy answers as to like those teams overperformed given their rookie head coaching rookie quarterback status. So I do think that yeah, it's probably good that we're going off the off the radar a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So mine here is, is actually going to be the Tampa Bay Bucks and they're only 8 and 8 right now and actually I just I just confirmed this but they haven't lost in in December at all and they've played 5 games in December. So they're five and zero in the past five games. So they they started out three and five actually, um, and now well, sorry, no three and eight, and now they're eight and eight. So it's kind of again kind of a, a recency bias thing. But I think I mean it's fair. It's still part of the season, obviously, and they uh, they've got a little battle against the Saints for the NFC South coming up here this week. I, they've they've gone one and one with the Saints, and so it'll be interesting to see. I don't know who has. I think the next tiebreaker after that is uh, conference record. Or yeah, a conference record. I'm pretty sure it is, which would include every team in the NFC and everything like that. So I don't know who's got the leg up there, but I do know that basically whoever w- if one wins and one loses, that team that wins is gonna is gonna obviously win the win the division and, and get that playoff bid. And then you know wild card is kind of a different story. You're probably looking at both of these teams, the Saints and the Bucks, having a, a little bit of a tough time um, getting in with a wild card spot with you know with an eight and nine record. So I won't really go that far, again, into, into the analysis. But in terms of the Bucks' season, um, I think they had a great season. Again, it, it's, I think it's a very similar situation to the Rams and what Matt was talking about. Like, we didn't expect Baker to do anything with this team. We didn't – we honestly I, – I thought that at, to begin the season, I thought they were going to have to kind of switch back and forth between quarterbacks this season – the Bucks were I didn't think that Baker was gonna be the answer here. Yeah, it
1: was a it was a it was a quarterback battle in, in training. Yeah. It was like, is Kyle Trask gonna start over Baker yeah. Mayfield?
0: Yeah, and you haven't heard his name since. So, um, you know, Baker's really taking control of that offense. And then Rashad White is another guy that like I think it's his second year in the league and he had Where did he go to college, Aiden? Oh, I don't there know. Go, Arizona State. Okay. Well, wow, Sun Devils. Um Yes, but Rashad White, I mean, he's had an incredible season this season. And nobody's really talking about him either because I, I think that the Bucks have kind of gotten forgotten in in all aspects of football talk at this point because they were so forgotten to begin the season. They were projected six and a half wins. They're up to eight now. Like I said, most of those have come in December and as of recent, but they've still kind of crushed that total. And if they're able to win this week and, and go to nine and eight, that's a, you know, that's a pretty big triumph there for them. So... I was really happy with this Bucks team. Um, obviously, this team has been kind of wishy-washy ever since uh, Tom Brady retired and, and really ever since their Super Bowl win over the Chiefs. But this season kind of proved that they've got something going there. Uh, their defense is still pretty decent. I mean, they've still got you know that linebacking core, I think, with uh, Devin White and Levante David. And then they had um, – I think Antoine Winfield Jr. was one of the best safeties in the league this year. So, I, th- I actually, I think he – yeah, he was like – he was snubbed from the Pro Bowl or something like that. Like he was, you know, he was he he was one of those guys that deserved to get into the Pro Bowl and he wasn't invited. Um, and so that was pretty, you know, that, that's pretty disappointing to see. But again, I think it's just a that's probably another result of the Bucks being left out of all conversations at this point in the season, even though they're on a five game win streak here in December. So really proud of the Bucks this year. Like I said, um I'm I was pretty I mean, I was down on them. I probably went under their um their season win total to begin with at six and a half. So that's part of the reason why they're, they're my surprise to the season here. Uh, but it'll, it'll kind of be interesting to see where they go after this season, because again, they've got a great running back as, you know, as, as I've mentioned in, in Rashawn white Baker Mayfield is, is most likely still going to, you know, you know going to remain their um, quarterback. I don't know what his contract is looking like. Like, I don't know if it was kind of like a one year deal that did that they did with him just to kind of test him out. A lot of times teams will do that. They'll sign veteran quarterbacks to a one-year deal and then see where he, you know, what he does with the team, and then re- either re-sign him or, or, or let him go um, that next season, depending on how he does. I think that they'll probably, you know, if if he is kind of if his contract is up after this season, they'll probably go with him again next season um, and and just you know give him the reins again to see what he can do with the team, but. Yeah, overall, I, and I think that um, what's his name? I, I think Ryan Jensen. I don't. I don't know if I'm just thinking of another time, but I'm pretty sure Ryan Jensen got hurt at the beginning of the season in training camp or something like that. Um, and he's one of their ball, he's their center, and he's one of their best offensive linemen. I again, don't quote me on that because I'm not completely sure. I don't know if I'm just thinking of like a couple of years ago during the playoffs when they needed him and he got hurt. But I'm pretty sure he got hurt too. So their offensive line was a little bit banged up to to start this season, and they were still able to get it done. So. Uh, kudos to the Buccaneers for that. But moving on to our disappointment of the of the year for uh, for this NFL season, I'm interested to, interested to see where Matt goes with this one.
1: Well, uh, real quick, I do want to give Hayden a little bit of credit. I think you said that you went under on the Bucks. I remember it. I I know I went under on the Bucks. I was like they're going to be horrible. I'm pretty sure that you you took a flyer on them a little bit. I, I remember you mentioning points in the offseason, which I think kind of I and mean, that's what rang true is. And and it's actually extremely similar to to the Rams, where it's like the core of this team that won the Super Bowl four years ago was still there. You had Mike, yeah. you had a great receiving core, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, um, and, and then and then the core of the defense, as you mentioned, the linebacking core, Jamel Dean in the back in the in the, uh, in the defensive backfield, Vita Vea, right defensive tackle. So uh, that team was still there, and I think that that's kind of what Hayden said is like as, as long as you get you know competent quarterback play at a Baker Mayfield, which he's proven to be able to do in the past. Then you know they won't be horrible, right? They might not win the division or whatever, but here they are with a chance to to win the division. Especially, I guess the the, the funny part is, as Hayden mentioned, right? If we were if we had talked about this halfway through the season, the Bucks were three and eight, and you'd be like, yeah. yep, Then I, I would have been like, yep, I was right, like I called it. But right, they just kind of went on a roll here uh, and 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 really have a chance to win the division. Now, will they make any type of noise in the playoffs? Probably not. Even though they're going to host a playoff game, they're probably going to be playing the Eagles. And well, I guess for how the Eagles have looked recently, that actually might be a more of a game than we think it is. But at the same time. Realistically, whoever wins that division is, is not going to go far in the playoffs because that is a really, really soft and, and really bad division overall.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm going to actually stay in that division for my disappointment of the season, which is going to be the Panthers. Now, it's going to sound like a, a cop out, but I want to make it more of a big picture thing here, which is the fact that, and then again, go back to the season win total thing. The Bucs' season win total was six and a half, right? Over, under six and a half. The Panthers' season win total going into the season was seven and a half. This team won two games. No, one game.
0: Wait, how many two. games? Two, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Two games, right? The entire season, right? And 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 we know again how the season has gone for the Panthers. I don't want to belabor that point. You know, you had Frank Reich, who comes in as you know he gets hired as the coach, and then he gets fired and all that stuff. What the point that I want to make is that the owner David Tepper, who was in the news recently this week for throwing a drink on a Jaguars fan during their last game when they got shut out twenty six 0 at home, uh, he the Dave David Pe- Tepper, the owner of the team, has has single handedly ruined. This this Panthers team and, and everything that it had going for it, right so so it was my understanding and just kind of reading around you know and how how this all happened it's my understanding that he was the kind of the the gen- he had the the executive decision to basically say prior to the this year's past and you know the, the, this year's last NFL draft you know trade away the picks trade away DJ Moore we want Bryce Young and that was it. And that was completely his decision. It wasn't like the GM and the coach and everything. He he wanted Bryce Young. He hired Frank Reich, who was kind of the quarterback whisperer behind, you know, Carson Wentz's rise to fame in Philly before he tore his ACL and was scared to play football ever since. Ironically enough, Carson Wentz is starting for the Rams this week against the 49ers. But, wow. Yeah. So, um, so, so Frank White was hired to kind of be, okay, you know, right. We can, we can kind of nurture this young quarterback who was a star in college, who has a ton of potential for the NFL. You know, we're going to trade away our entire future to get this guy. Uh, and, and then, you know, we'll end the season. We'll just see how it goes. And ever since then, there's just been small points throughout the season where essentially David Tepper, I think like there was a point when he was like either on the field or it was like in a practice right before a game or something like that, where he was like telling the offensive coordinator what plays he wanted them to run. And it's like, okay, if you're the owner of a team and, and again, he, he's a very successful person as all NFL owners are. He paid, I think two and a half billion dollars in cash to buy the team, which essentially means that he just had that money sitting around. It wasn't like in an escrow account sitting there, you know, on one of its yachts or something like that. It was like, he just had that in his bank account and transferred the money and he bought the team. So this guy has done well for himself. And, like with a lot of owners of NFL teams who buy who buy these teams, a lot of the owners that are passed down, they kind of understand the nature of how the football team works. But with a lot of these guys who are multi billionaires, they are used to making decisions and having those and having people under them execute those decisions and those decisions going well. And in business, that works because clearly, you know, they they've made it. To the point where they are, you know, they are making these billions of dollars. And so the decisions that they make are successful. And that way they can tell the people what they want to do. And, and, and that's executed you know, by design. Whereas a football team is a lot different. But as a businessman who's made billions of dollars, I think they it's hard for them to separate themselves from the fact that like it's not football. Yes. Football is a business, but in terms of like trading away your entire future to draft a player who might not be that good, or, you know, going on the sideline and telling your, your, your coaches that you want to see an RPO over, you know, over a a five-step drop back pass. Like that's the type of stuff that like is not going to have any success whatsoever with a football team, because there, you hire coaches to call the plays. And so if you hire Frank Reich to come in and nurture Bryce Young as an young NFL star, then, and then you tell him to not run the plays that he wants to run. Like, like it's just, it's it's all messed up. So that's why I I see the Panthers as as a disappointment. And the fact of the matter is they were, they have the worst record in the league. They earned the number one pick. But oh, by the way, they traded away that pick in their trade up to the first ra- the first pick overall in last year's draft. And so the Bears, despite having you know potentially an eight and nine record in the regular season, the Bears are going to have the Panthers' first round pick, first overall pick of next year's draft. Uh, the Panthers also have no wide receivers because they traded. Away- oh, though, by the way, they also traded away DJ Moore to the Bears in that in that uh, in that trade as well. Their offensive line is in shambles. Their defense is actually kind of good. And and the defensive coordinator Ichiro Evero, he he was kind of the mastermind behind the the defense that the Broncos had last year. Uh, that essentially ended up quitting on the team because the offense was so bad with Russell Wilson. Uh, he, the guy is pretty just. The guy just must be must must have some sort of curse on him because wherever he goes, it's just offensive tumultuous situations uh, that end up being really bad. So yeah, so I'm gonna go with the Panthers as my most disappointing team, mostly because of the owner situation and how he kind of just like single-handedly ruined the organization that he bought by himself. Um, so I guess if there's any consolation, it's like you spent two and a half billion dollars on something that you ruined yourself. And if you have two and a half billion dollars in your bank account, then you can kind of afford to ruin something yourself, I guess. But it's like, I mean, right. It's just like for all the coaches and all the players on this team, which now has no future. Uh, and especially for a guy like Bryce young, who just wants to play well and be, you know, be a good NFL player. He doesn't look good. And sure. A little bit of it might be that he doesn't, you know, he, he's just not adjusting as fast as someone like CJ Stroud or as good as Anthony Richardson looked when he first came in, you know, for those first few games. But, like, I do think that a lot of the, you know, uns, the, the the non-success that Bryce Young has had is because of the way that, the, like, the, the, the team that he came into, which... You know, his best wide receiver is is, is Adam Thielen, who's 37 and, and, and a washed-up NFL player at this point. Jonathan Mingo was there, you know, was was a second-round draft pick that they picked, you know, this year in this past draft. He was hurt, like, the entire season. The offensive line is bad. So, like, there's no support at all for Bryce Young on this team. And so that's why we've seen, as the season goes on, he is tepid when he throws the football. He he drops back and he doesn't want to throw it because he doesn't have anybody open and he doesn't want to throw picks and make himself look even worse. So it's just a, a problem that's perpetuating itself that starts at the top and – I, I don't see a positive future for this team at all, and I just hope for Bryce Young's sake that he wasn't ruined by a billionaire who threw his cash away to want to call his own plays and just make everybody look like an idiot at this situation.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything that Matt said there. My disappointment, and I, I mean, rightfully so, the Panthers, yes. I I look back at their win, their projected win total before the season started, and I was baffled to see 7.5. I didn't even think that that was like, possible a team to go so under their win total or so over their win total would be the opposite. But obviously the Panthers just absolutely uh like Matt said, tumultuous season. I like that word. My, I, okay. First of all, I'm going to give a little honorable mention here, which I think that it's, it's probably no surprise to anybody, but the Chargers are my honorable mention because, I, but th- th- it's not even surprising. Like the, the fact that they had a disappointing season is it, it just makes sense in my head at this point. So, I'm not going to pick the Chargers because that would be too much of a compound answer, in my opinion. My answer, and this this may be a little bit biased as well, but I think that a lot of people will agree with me here. My disappointment of the season is the New England Patriots, and I am a Patriots fan. If you if you didn't know that, if you're listening to this and have no idea who we are, then thank you for listening. But I am a Patriots fan, and yes, we had a horrible season. Now we're four and twelve right now, and I think well, we play the Jets this week, so. <laughs> Who knows how that game is going to go. I think it's in New York, too. So, again, who knows where what direction that game is going to go. It's pretty much a battle of the bads. Um, I'm not going to be watching that game, that's for sure. But the Patriots just, yeah, I mean, I think that one thing that sums up their season is, I don't know if if you guys saw this stat anywhere, but there was a three-game stretch during the season where the Patriots held their opponent to 10 or less points in all three games. It was it was the Colts, the Giants, and the Chargers. Three games in a row, um, and the Patriots managed to lose every single one, only allowing their opponents ten or less points. The last time that happened was 1938, I think, which is insane. like 1938 football. It was like they were still playing on you know baseball fields, and the, like you were lucky if you saw one pass a game. Um, so obviously, the, you know the, the scores are going to be low. But the last time that a team lost three games in a row while only letting up 10 or less points was 1938 or something around that. It was in the 1930s. I'm right. pretty sure. When when, so. when
1: the average point total for the entire game was probably 10 points. Yeah, exactly. Whereas now it's like 45.
0: Yeah. So um, it, it was, it was absolutely horrendous. I saw that stat and I was like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty bad. So, um, so again, my, yeah, Patriots are my disappointment of the season. We just, it, we don't have any consistency in our team really at all. I mean, we have probably the worst wide receiver room in the league and a, and a huge storyline from the season for the Patriots was the whole Mac Jones thing when he got benched and now Bailey Zappi's playing, which I am so happy. I've been, I've been saying Mac, Bailey Zappi should be starting pretty much ever since he, he came out of Western Kentucky and started playing for us. But, um, you know, you know that, I guess that's kind of besides the point, Mac Jones, everybody feels bad for this guy. I I think people forget that he's actually a really dirty player. He's need like three guys in the ball since he end of the, the league. So, I don't know like I don't know where people are getting you know I feel bad for him from it's just cuz of that one interview that he had I think it was like a post game conference or something like that he he sat there and he you know he kind of played pity party and he was like yeah well I deserve to be benched and if you play bad you're not going to have a starting job in this league and everybody was like oh look at him he's so cute no dude like I, he deserves to not be a starting QB at least for the Patriots maybe elsewhere I don't really care but uh, I, I would love to see Mac Jones, you know, sail away and, and go to a different team. Maybe maybe he'll have success somewhere else, but he's not the QB that I want in New England. So I'm happy at least about that. I think that was kind of a a, a small win during the season for, for Patriots fans, at least for me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this this team, we still have like a really good defense most of the time, but our offense is so incredibly bad that we can't even win a game where we hold the other team to 10 points three times in a row. So um, yeah, so that, I mean, there, there's not much else to say. I mean, again, a four and 12 record was, I think, I think that's underachieving this year for, uh, for the Patriots. Their, their win total, I think was probably somewhere in the sixes. I can't remember. And I'm not going to take the time to go back and look, but yeah, I'm pretty sure they still underachieved in terms of, in terms of numbers as well. So hopefully, I mean, I'm just hoping for a high draft pick at this point. So I'm kind of hoping that we lose against the Jets this week so that we can kind of, you know, wedge our way um, higher up in the draft order. So that's one thing to look forward to. But again, I don't even really know. Like, I, don't, I like I want Bailey Zappi to start or I've wanted him to start, but I don't even know if he's the truth. He kind of has looked like it sometimes and also sometimes not really looked like it. But I don't know if that's just a product of our offense just really sucking as well, um, you know, the guys around him. So we'll kind of see where where it goes from here. But. Patriots are definitely my disappointment of the season. What do, you,
1: what do you think about Bill Belichick, though?
0: Oh, oh, yeah, that's the other th- Yeah, right, I totally forgot. Okay, well, that was the other thing I was going to talk about other than Matt Jones. I kind of got sidetracked. But, I mean, I think, okay, I've heard that, and I think that a lot of people heard this, but it was after the Indianapolis game, which was the first game of that three-game losing skid where they only let up 10 points to the other team all three games. After the Indianapolis game, I, I, I read a report saying that apparently they came to Bill Belichick or they, they implied to him. They basically made it known as much as possible without like directly calling him, calling him into the office and firing him that they were going to fire him after the season ended. Um, obviously they didn't, a a coach like Bill Belichick, you don't want to fire during the season. I'm glad that they didn't because that, I mean, that just would have been disrespectful in my opinion to a guy that won seven Super Bowls in new England. So, um, I think I mean he's probably going to go, and I've heard, I've I've heard like NFC South teams are looking at him, and you know a bunch of other teams around the like he's going to go somewhere else if he does get fired. Which again, I think that it's probably like, you know, seventy five percent he does or eighty percent he does and twenty percent he doesn't. Uh, I don't think that there's really any way that they keep him again because they he hasn't really done anything in this back half of the season to show that he should stay, Um, and and it's kind of sad to see him to see him leave. But I think that right now, like this is probably the point that he does want to leave because I think that the Patriots are kind of like nowhere even close to having that, you know, winning window that people refer to kind of like the, um, like the 49ers and and teams like the Ravens and stuff like they're, they're in their winning window as people like to call it. The Patriots are, are far out of that after Brady left, that kind of just all fell apart. And I think that they're far from getting to that point. So I think if there is a time to leave, it's kind of right now for for Belichick. Go start somewhere new, have a good season with another team at some point, and then retire after that. That's pretty much, I think that's probably probably the best of his options at this point. So that's kind of what I think of that. Matt, do you have any thoughts about Belichick?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think the overwhelming narrative at this point has become, look at what Bill Belichick's record has been since Tom Brady left. Look at Bill Belichick's record when he did have Tom Brady. And... And and everybody just automatically comes to the conclusion that Tom Brady is the reason that the Patriots were good for that long. He is you know, he was the reason for their success. It it wasn't Bill Belichick. Yeah, obviously Bill Belichick had something to do with it, but it was Brady. And, you know, that was compounded by the fact that, you know, the first year that Brady leaves and goes to the Bucks, they win a Super Bowl as well, right? So it's like yeah. everything that could have gone wrong, or I guess anything that could be disputed or used as a dispute for that argument, is now proved wrong just because of the way that things happened after they split up, uh, to begin with. But like you still see the defense having success and i think that's always been bill belichick's best you know the best aspect of his coaching is his defense is 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 being able to identify what your opposing team does best and take it away that's always been bill belichick's you know th- the best thing about him and 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 when you just say that phrase you know identify a team's strength and 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 take it away you're essentially always talking about the offensive side of the ball, right? Identify what the team does offensively that makes them successful. Use it against them. Take it away. They can't do anything, right? I mean, I mean, the the perfect example of this was a Super Bowl against the Rams, I think five years ago or, or something like that, where you had the Rams. That was the best offense, the, I think, in the history of the NFL in terms of like total points scored and exp- you know total yards and, and everything like that. When when Sean McVay was you know when Jared Goff was the quarterback of all people. Todd yeah. Gurley had one of the best seasons of all time, and they scored three points in the Super Bowl. Okay. And the Patriots scored thirteen, but they still won that Super Bowl by double digits. They were underdog, and uh, all that stuff. And and I think that, you know, the yes, Tom Brady's best quarterback of all time, probably best NFL player of all time. Like, not going to take that away from him. And, you know, should be regarded as, you know. I, I would say at least equal, if not more, of kind of the the, you know, the, the better part of the, kind of the, the Brady Belichick relationship. But I do think that without Bill Belichick, Tom Brady would definitely not have as many Super Bowls as, as he has right now. Potentially, not any. And, and and I think that you know he was the reason the offense was always so so successful, and he was able to do it without. You know, I mean, he had you know, there were there were star. He had Randy Moss, he had Rob Gronkowski, he had you know, Wes Welker, he had Julian Edelman. But I do think to some extent he made those guys into the players that they were. Not Randy Moss; that guy was was an absolute alien. (laughs) And and and, 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 and Gronkowski too. But um, but I think that you know, Tom Brady definitely made that offense what it was. But I think Bill Belichick made the defense what it was. And so you had that absolute tandem of. You know, offensive strength and capabilities versus the defense taking away what the other team does does best, and so I do think that Bill Belichick is kind of getting a bad rap um, for, or at least not being, I think, thought of it in, in the correct light in terms of how much he did do for that dynasty, a dynasty in, in you know over over a 20-year period in which we probably won't see ever again in the NFL just because of how competitive and everything it is right now, and how it's so you know rare to find a guy like Tom Brady who just is the ultimate competitor, will continuously take less money to be able to win more Super Bowls. Like it's all I don't don't think that's going to happen again in the anymore and I think that Bill Belichick still had a large a large role in that uh you know in that in that kind of era of of what the Patriots were. So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be weird to kind of see him coach another team. He's also really old, so it's like you know he's probably not gonna be he's not he's not gonna like turn you know the the Falcons into a dynasty by any means. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he can do with another team. Uh, but I do want to you know g- give our guy some props because I don't think he I don't think he's he's getting the fair he's getting he's not getting as fair of a trade as, as I think as he deserves.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's a fair argument, and I I kind of like that that balancing of the argument there. From I, again, I I mean. I don't feel like I said anything bad about Bel Belichick. I think that I mean No, again, it's just I that's could, that's
1: just like in 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 what I've read and heard, that's yeah. how the argument is going.
0: Yeah, and I could sing his praises for days. I mean, I could I could make a whole entire podcast about him and and talk about how great he's been, but yeah, I think that Matt really summed it up well with with what he's good at and where the Patriots are at right now, I think it's just kind of it's 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 just not really going to work out and I think that You know, just because he's won a bunch of Super Bowls, like everybody has to kind of go at some point. And if he's not going to go by himself because he's not going to do that anytime soon, I don't really think if if he's not given the opportunity, you kind of have to fire a guy like him. So it kind of sucks to see that. And it's a little bit counter. It seems a little bit counterintuitive, but it's a business at the end of the day. You got you got to you got to move on from people at some point. So um, it is what it is. All right. Moving on to college football here. So trouble in paradise. Florida State recently demanded that they want to leave the ACC and assumably go to either the new Big Ten or the new SEC. But the only problem is that they would be facing a five hundred seventy-two million dollar buyout from the ACC in order to do in order to leave the ACC. And yes, that's a real number. Yes, it's actually insane how much money goes into this stuff. So let's let's break this down first on rundown style. I'm I'm gonna give the reins to Matt here to kind of talk about. You know a little bit of background, and then we're gonna ask some questions regarding you know will this take shi- will this take shape in the near future? Will other teams follow suit? And is Florida State just getting royally screwed in every way possible at this point? Hence the uh, you know them getting left out of the college football playoff, which we've talked about. I think we talked about last episode. So we're not gonna talk about that really at all. I mean, it may be a you know it may come into the into the conversation or into the um, yeah the material here today. But it's not going to be the, the the butt of the argument. So, again, Florida State trying to leave the ACC. It's it's been kind of the, the the big news, other than bowl games and the national championship, as of recent, as of late. So, where you know, how how did this come about, Matt? Where are we kind of standing with this? And then, not, well, I, maybe I can talk about where we where we stand with um with with, with how it's going and maybe when this might take shape. But Matt. Give us a little bit of background.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could, I could talk about this for an hour straight, yeah, and, and, and no problem. Yeah. but I'm going to try to go as quickly as possible. The, the way that conferences make their money is essentially they sign a contract with uh, a TV network, or multiple TV networks, whatever it may be. And it's a contract. So it's you know, this TV network. ESPN, for example, well, ESPN is the sole, I think, provider of of ACC content and their football games and whatever. The ACC pays the conference a certain amount of money each year for a certain amount of years to be able to broadcast all of that conference's games, right? Or some of them or, you know, whatever percentage or or whatever. So what the ACC did was, and I think this was in 2017 or something, um, 2018, maybe something like that. Uh, the ACC signed a deal with ESPN, essentially saying that you know, right? Essentially, what I just said, right? The, the, you know, the, the ACC or the uh, ESPN can can broadcast the ACC games um, for. I don't know the exact specific amount of money. I think it was. I think it was. It's like I, I guess I, I don't even know. I, I don't know. I think, Some,
0: it's, I think it's like thirty million. Thirty million a year, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Or That's, that or sounds something. right. That, yeah. um,
1: over and this is the key: sixteen years. Okay, you'll notice. This past summer, the Big Ten signed a new contract with, with, I think, CBS and Fox. So again, it's kind of split. Um, But either way, in, in totality, the Big Ten is being paid $2 billion over, again, key, eight years. So you'll notice right there, that's that's the biggest red flag is the fact that now, again, that, you know, over time, you know, that college football has has gotten so much more popular. They make so much more money. So, yes, you know, if the DCC signed their deal, you know, six years ago, obviously, you know, the amount per year is going to be is going to be it's going to increase every single year. Essentially, like, you know, like like housing, like it's it's always going to be more than it was the previous year. Got it. Okay, cool. The only problem is, right, is, is the amount of time. And so, and once you sign the contract, you're locked in that contract legally. And that's where this all kind of starts to, 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 to come into play when, when you're talking about the legal sense of it. So the only problem is, the ACC, and in Florida State, and, and well, realistically, anyone in college football couldn't have imagined how big college football was going to grow in such a short time span to where it is right now. I mean, I actually, I heard a stat the other day that the Army-Navy game, which again, it's a standalone game on a standalone week. The, it's it's the in-between week from the last regular, last week of the regular season to conference championship week. So it does kind of have its own aura around it. But I mean, really? How many how many people in our audience are going out of their way to watch Army Navy? The Army Navy game makes more money for their. Well, I mean, they're with CBS, but overall, it makes more money than most of the NBA Finals games. I mean, if it's an NBA Finals Game Seven, then sure. But it's like that's the that's the that's what we're talking about here, right? Is a a college football game that ab- means absolutely nothing to you know the 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 overall landscape of who wins the championship, who even gets the championship, whatever you know, any bowl game like it doesn't that has no bearing on anything. It's just two armed forces schools playing against each other makes more money than the championship of the of, of, of an entire professional sport and this is we're talking about college football okay so that's a, a good example of the amount of money and how much this has grown over the course of time even in the last five or six years since the acc signed this deal with espn so that's the basis and the foundation of all of this the second part all right is the fact that as i just said you think about the, the amount of money where okay you know, as Hayden said, thirty million dollars. The the you know, the ACC I think has like fourteen teams. I don't know the exact breakdown of all of it, but, but essentially, right. You get thirty million dollars. You get fifteen teams. Each team makes about
0: what two, mo- two no, million? No, 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 no. It would be no. Each team is is making thirty some million. Okay, dollars. that's that, right. that's what I. Yes. yeah, that's right. Yes, you got it. it you
1: got it. So. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. So that makes sense. Okay, thirty million dollars a year, and that's that's per year, and that's the the individual school. And that's to use on whatever they want and, and, and whatever. But now if we go to the big 10 who just made, you know, $2 billion for what I think they'll have now, I think they'll have like 20 teams or, you know, it's something close to that or whatever, but there's like 16 total. And it
0: breaks down to about like 70 million for each school in the big 10. So it's, so it's like almost, it's basically double what the ACC is getting. Yes.
1: Thank you, Hayden. That was a lot shorter than than, than I said it, but thank you for, for, yeah. So there you go. Right there. Just right now, this year. Every Big Ten school is making more, making double of what every ACC school does, and the the craziest part about all of this is that the Big Ten is going to renew their contract before the S, the ACC renews their next, next contract. So that's the craziest part is the fact that the Big Ten schools are already making, and the SEC already did this, I think, a couple years ago. But either way, this is just good to kind of use these two examples. The Big Ten is already making double. Every school in the Big Ten is already making double of what every school in the ACC does, and likely it's going to only double by the time the Big Ten contract is up too because we have the 12-team playoff because, you know, just football in general is, is so much more popular. So it's likely that by the time the ACC was to renew their contract with whatever TV network they were, by that time that they're doing that, every Big Ten school is going to be making four times as much as every ACC school. And when you're talking about $100 bucks. All right, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. But when you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, it adds up pretty quick. And in the new era of NIL and the new era of the transfer portal, all of this is magnitude is uh, is is is, um, is magnified so much more to the point where every dollar matters more. And 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 when it's you're four xing every dollar to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars, that's where this thing gets out of control. The second part of this, and the reason why Florida State specifically is getting all bent out of shape about this, is the fact that. The way when you sign the contract with the TV network, the conference makes that money and the conference equally distributes all, every single dollar to the amount of teams in that conference. So, no matter who's in the conference, no matter how many teams are in that conference, you take the number, the total number of dollars, and you divide that by the amount of teams in the conference, and each team gets that specific amount of money. And so, you know, you can kind of see where this starts to get a little weird is that, you know, a team like Duke is making just as much money as Florida State. A team like Boston College is making the same amount of money as, as a team like Florida State. And these are teams, these are schools who, you know, are more focused on academics. You know, they, they put more money in their basketball programs. They, 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 are, not, they are not expending the, the same amount of money uh, on their football program as Florida State is. They're not focused on winning championships in football like Florida State is. And to kind of add on to that, a lot of the reason why their ACC is still relevant is because of basically Florida State and Clemson because those are the only football teams that are even close to becoming championship level football teams in this day and age of college football. And realistically, it might even that might go by the wayside now that we have kind of the SEC and the Big Ten that are that are now you know being expanded. So the argument, and, and so that's where I think a ca- kind of a, ca- a casual college football fan who hears that Florida State is suing the suing the NCAA is like, well, what, what, why does Florida State have a stick up their butt? Like, you know, what's going on, and, and why do they choose to be so special? Well, it's because they're the reason that the ACC is making this money in the first place. Not only are they getting a, 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 you know, a bad deal because there are other teams like, you know, Rutgers and Illinois who are making double than them already. So they could be making as much as Rutgers and Illinois to begin with, but they're, they're, they are, you know, a hundred times the, you know, the, the, the national relevance and brand legacy of a football school as Illinois and as Rutgers are. And so even past the fact that, that they're already making, you know, double, or uh, these other schools are ma- already making double more than Florida State. They are, even within the ACC, you know, probably 70% of the reason that people tune into the ACC care about the ACC. So, you know, you could make the argument that in, you know, in, in some ways Florida State should be paid, you know, equally for the, relevancy that they bring to the sport of football within that conference of teams that otherwise don't really care about. I mean, Hayden works for the UVA football team. You know, they, they try, but, yeah. like, they don't really care that much. Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of... That's what we're dealing with here is the fact that Florida State cares so much yeah. and is basically being getting to the point where they're being left out of the playoff. Now I know that wasn't necessarily the, you know, the, the, the playoff committee wasn't saying that the ACC sucks and so Florida State didn't get in. with was a Jordan Travis thing and we all get that and we see how that worked out in the bowl game that they played in. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that that's the argument here and that's why Florida State, in my mind, has is, is warranted in the argument that they're presenting at court, the way that they're trying to sue the NCAA is because not only – are they being screwed by the fact that their TV contract was signed by a conference that you know they just couldn't have projected how how insanely quickly football was going to grow, but also the the way that they're the way that they're investing their money into their football program is not anywhere close to the level the other schools are, and the other schools are essentially just pocketing off of Florida State and, and Clemson being kind of the big powers that be in the power five conferences of, of, of college football, which again, will kind of, it, it almost is, 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 the, is, going to be the power two going forward here. So, so that's kind of my best shot at, at giving the backstory there. I hope it kind of made sense, but, um, but yeah, I'll let Hayden kind of take over in terms of where, where we're going from here or what we think might happen with this lawsuit.
0: Yeah. So the, the weird thing about all this, and it's actually kind of funny when you break it down and, and talk about it in terms of in non-legal terms that don't make sense at all in your head. Like I'll, I'll break it down for you real quick. And, essentially what's happened is right florida state demanded that they that they leave the the acc and the acc's response to that the acc like committee or whoever is in charge of the acc i would love to be them so would matt but um whoever's in charge of the acc clapped back and basically said okay well if okay florida state you can leave the acc it's fine but you're going to have to pay us a total of 572 million dollars which was was almost comical like it, it sounds like a funny number and it and it is and it's kind of meant to mock Florida State in a way because what the ACC is is asking essentially is in order to leave the ACC Florida State must pay in in the form of a buyout they must pay the remainder of their money in TV deals plus another 130 million which is um
1: it's the grant of rights so yeah, essentially yeah, 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 because yeah, exactly. the conference yeah. owns the rights to the teams and the logos and all that stuff yeah. and it's just a bunch of like legal jargon but essentially is right. to say that you know they the the TV networks are able to broadcast like what Florida State is as a brand
0: yeah and then and then there's an, there is so that's 130 million i think the the TV deals in total remaining through 2036 which is which is when the new ACC agreement will be signed a TV agreement will be signed in 2036 which is 13 more years for the remainder of that of 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 those 13 years i think the total is like 420 million dollars in term in in um tv deals so that's added on to the 130 million and then i think there's like 13 more million that they would have to pay for the remainder of like basically just the acc being a conference is a million dollars each year i think something like that um so right that's that's where the 572 million dollars come from comes from it's not just a random number that the acc pull out of their butts it actually is a it actually is a number that's calculated, but again, it sounds like a funny number. It's you know over half a billion dollars that we're talking about for one school. That one school is going to pay or is, is expected to pay, and so essentially, the, um, Florida State is now suing the ACC, saying, "Well, okay, that, that number's ridiculous. Why would like it doesn't even make sense for us to even consider paying that amount to leave the conference when we could be making, you know." Thirty thirty three million dollars a year just from ESPN putting our games on, on on their network. So right, it's it it doesn't make any sense. Like the ACC is telling Florida State to pay all this money, but really, Florida, I mean, the ACC wouldn't even really have to like be paying Florida State all this. You know, the, the TV money deal or whatever. Um, it's I, I don't know. It's 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 it's, it's kind of confusing the way it works. I'm kind of getting jumbled up with my words, but right the it boils down to Florida State asking to leave the ACC basically suing them for 572 million dollars for leaving and then now Florida State is suing the ACC and saying okay well that number's stupid it's like and then and the ACC the ACC is basically like clapping back saying well you don't have the right to break the contract in the first place so all this is stupid anyway so it's like I mean, it's it's kind of at a stalemate right now, and, like, it's not really going anywhere, and you can imagine it's just a bunch of rich guys that don't really do much in a room arguing with each other, but, like, I mean, it, that, that's, that's what college football has come to, and it's crazy that, again, we're talking about more than half a billion dollars, which that is, like I said, that is a real number that is calculated in some way, but, like, personally, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, there's no way Florida State coughs up 572 million dollars out of nowhere like that's not i don't think that, i don't think that's really like plausible or, or possible um so i think that i mean at least for the time being even if it does happen this isn't going to happen until like at least 2025 i think so yeah or 2026 even so um yeah so i mean we're not going to see anything happen tomorrow and we're not going to see anything happen like in the next year really um it might it might kind of develop or it might fizzle out like it, it might just kind of totally go away like these things sometimes do that where it's really really big news for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden people kind of just like forget about it and everybody's like oh remember when Florida State was going to move out of the ACC yeah that never happened let's just wait until 20, 2036 and keep on making the same amount of money that you know that that Boston College is making but um yeah that's that's kind of where where we're at in terms of like the the agreement and who's suing who and why they're suing each other it's it's all pretty comical when 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 you really think about it
1: yeah and and i think you know a couple things here too um to add on the the first being what's probably going to happen and as and as hayden said yes like that amount of money is impossible to pay i think what's probably going to happen is is the legal process is going to take you know at least a year and a half probably two years before anything gets decided And, and when it but when it does end up getting decided it's probably going to be some sort of reduced number essentially saying, like, okay, in that 500-whatever-million dollars that, you know, they're five hundred seventy 572 million that they're supposed to pay or that is the kind of the cost right now, maybe cut in half, maybe three-fourths, like, whatever it is, it'll probably be some sort of reduced number. So state's probably going to be able to come up with that somehow. Um, they've even talked about getting, like, investment banks and, like, private equity funds from it. Like, it's insane. Like, the fact that, like, actual, like, s- publicly traded companies on the stock market are going to s- start investing in college football, like, it's ridiculous. So – that's a, that's an option that's being thrown out there again. Who knows? None of this is decided until they actually figure out how much money they're going uh, to need to to make this happen. But I think the interesting part about this is the fact that, like, when it is decided, like, what, right, Hayden, kind of Hayden, like Hayden said, like, what is, it, are they going to do it? Like, what's going to happen? The interesting, I think, almost kind of, Parallel or the example that's happening right now is with Washington and Oregon, and and specifically Washington and Oregon because they're the premier teams in the in the Pac-12, premier teams that are moving to the Big Ten. The other school, you know, the Utah, Arizona State, Colorado, all those teams that are moving to the Big Twelve, it's a little bit different because that, especially for, for football, that conference is not going to be uh, as 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 power heavy as the Big Ten will be. But all of the schools that are leaving the Pac-12. Are are essentially forfeiting for the entire rest of this year, forfeiting any type of profit that that conference makes, such that all of the money that the, that the conference makes for football and basketball is going to be basically split among the two between Washington State and Oregon State. So the crazy part is if Washington goes ahead and beats Michigan on Monday in the national championship game, and they make you know tens of millions of dollars from that, like basically Oregon State's going to be out here like, oh, we just like lucked our way into twenty million bucks, yeah. like so that's it, but. The the point that I'm making, though, is the fact that Oregon and Washington are are willingly forfeiting that amount of money, and I think... There, I think there, there's there's something, too, where the fact that, like, because the Big Ten just signed the TV deal this past year, like, they're not making any money from it in the first, like, few years or something to where, like, essentially the the, the, the Oregon and Washington are still going to be making the same amount of money that they were from the Pac-12, or maybe nothing, I think, at all, um, in the first few years that they're there, because, but they know that it's so worth it to be in the Big Twelve or the Big Ten long term because of how much money they can make exponentially over time, that it's more worth it to leave the, the Pac-12 now, make no money, but be in the Big Ten long term to make that you know to make the money long term than it is to be you know in the Pac-12 right now and, and whatever happens happens even the fact that right Washington has one of the best football teams and can potentially win a national championship this year. So Florida State is, is is I think that's a that's a good example of going forward to where Florida State, yes, Oregon and Washington didn't have to pay any money to leave the conference to get in the Big Ten, but they are forfeiting a ton of money in future years to still be in that conference. So it's essentially the same thing that Florida State would be doing where you know whenever the big Ten goes to sign a new revenue deal or, or uh you know TV network deal Florida State will be like all right we well, we'll we'll pay the three hundred and whatever million dollars that we have to get out of this TV contract with the ACC because we know we're know we gonna make that back in you know a couple of years just being in the big ten so I think it'll be worth it at the end of the day yeah
0: that's that, that's a really good point and again it's it's <laughs> it's amazing how this all works and it's actually insane how far we've come from 2018 when that ACC uh you know, or, um, agreement was made. And also, one, like, one little last thing to point out the grant of rights, which is that $130 million deal that, that um, Florida State would have to pay the ACC, that, you know, part of that $572 million number. The grant of rights, apparently, like, it, it's stored in North Carolina somewhere. I, I read this. I think it's in, like, Charlotte, North Carolina somewhere. And in order to go read it, you have to go to North Carolina. It's like, and that's part of the, that's like part of the, uh, I think that's part of that's a huge part of like what the Florida State would use to sue the ACC, basically. So like, I don't know, I don't know what's happening, but I think that the Florida State president or whoever is in charge of of this legal process for Florida State, they would have to go to North Carolina to read the grant the the grant of rights, and then essentially like build an argument based off of what they read, and 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 kind of sue that way. It's 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 actually insane all this stuff that goes into it. But, yeah, that's kind of another funny tidbit that, like, you have to go to the grant of rights, which is in North Carolina randomly. Um, the ACC is, is, and you'd have to read it then and form your legal arguments based base off of that um, and, and you know, kind of make a case for leaving and breaking the contract that what? Well, because, again, the ACC has, like, they have a point. You, you know, you sign a contract. If you're Florida State, you knew, like you didn't know where college football was going to go. Like Matt said, that's the whole premise of this in the first place is like nobody knew this was going to happen back in 2018, but it has now. And you put pen to paper if you're Florida state. So technically like, you know, just baseline, you, you're the one that signed the contract. And so breaking that contract is technically illegal. Like that's what contracts are made for is to form a bond that isn't supposed to be breakable. So, it's it's kind of you know it, it is counterintuitive what Florida State is doing, but like Matt said, he made the case, and, and I hope all of you kind of followed that was like there is a very good case for why Florida State wants to leave, and that's because they're making the same amount of as as any as every other bad ACC team, but Florida State is bringing in so much more money than all the other bad ACC teams. So um, that's again that's it's kind of just a, a way to round up this topic, because we are kind of getting to our um, our stopping point here, which. I, I think that we can literally give like a sentence for our championship game prediction real quick. Because I think it's it's only right to do so. I mean, it's, it's the College Football National Championship. So, again, Michigan f- versus Washington, final game. Um, I think this is only like the third or I, – I don't know. I think I read somewhere that it's like the third or fourth time in the College Football Playoff era that number one and number two have been in the championship together. It's actually kind of weird. Um, but – Yes, the, the the final game is set and I okay. My prediction is going to be Michigan, but that's only because I saw what they did against Alabama and how they stifled Alabama's offense. That's my that's my like overarching idea in terms of Michigan winning. I think that I I would love to see Washington win cuz I love Michael Penix Jr. and I think that he pretty much should have won Heisman. Um I mean, I, obviously Jayden Daniels had a great season too, but I would have loved to see him have won Heisman. Um, but I think that instead of that, you know, obviously Washington bringing home a, a national championship would be awesome to see, but I think Michigan's going to win just because of what they did to Alabama and, and and how they were able to stop Alabama's offense for so much of that game. I don't know how they didn't win by more. That was kind of, I, I guess, a little bit uh, worrisome in terms of how they'll fare in this last game. But my prediction is going to be Michigan.
1: Yeah, this is, this is so tough. Um, I thought Alabama was going to beat Michigan and I was very confident that Washington was going to beat Texas, so naturally that would lead me to think that Washington should beat Michigan because I thought that I, I thought Michigan was going to lose at first, and I was you know very sure that that Washington was going to win. But the more I hear people preview the game, the more I hear you know people I respect like talk about the game and and, and predict what they think is going to happen. So many people are saying Michigan, even like against the spread, like minus four and a half. Um, yeah, that that I, that I just I I think that I. I like my heart wants to think Michigan. I think, the, or sorry, my heart wants to think Washington. I, like, like Hayden said, I, I'd love to see them win. They, they, you know, the Pac-12 gets no respect. Pac-12 is, is done, in fact, too. Um, but, but you know, a team like Washington, like gets no respect, hasn't all year. They were ten point underdogs in their own conference championship against Oregon, and here they are in the in the national championship game. So, I, the the thing that troubles to, and Hayden's right, like Michigan really dominated that game but for some reason was able to kind of stay in it but like to me I just I just think about Alabama like yes okay they were 12 and 1 I get it like they won the SEC they beat Georgia like all this stuff but it's like you know like they beat South Florida by, like, six points. You know, they, they they had the loss of Texas by double digits, Um, you know, in, in early in the season. It took a fourth and 31, or fourth and goal from the 31 with, like, time expiring against Auburn to win that game. Like, Alabama's offense has not been that great this year. And, like, they didn't look good against Michigan. But, like, I would expect Michigan's defense to be able to play well against against Alabama's offense. And, and like, the fact that now you have to play Washington's offense, which, like – Nobody has stopped all year. Like that and, and and I think finally people realized how good they were when they were able to see this game, you know, against Texas in in, in this in a semifinal game, where like no matter where those receivers are, they're buckled up and Michael Penix is dropping in the bucket. Or, you know, they're running across the middle, he's evading, you know, two of the best defensive tackles in the entire country on Texas and 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 just and just, you know, zapping in lasers to, to his wide receivers. Those are three NFL wide receivers and an NFL quarterback on that offense. The offensive line won the Joe Moore Award, which is the best offensive line in the country this year, Washington's offensive line did. So it's like every everywhere I look, I say, Michigan's defense is probably the best in the country. Got it? When Washington's offense is definitely the best in the country. Okay. So, like, that's what that's what the matchup is going to come down to. You know, Washington's offense or Washington's defense is not that great. You know, Michigan's offense is not that great. But, like, you know, Michigan's offense is going to be able to score against Washington's defense. And I, and I know that, you know, Washington's offense is going to be able to score against Michigan's defense. But it's just that's the matchup that it comes down to. And it's like I haven't seen Michael Penix all year. Like there's been times where he hasn't looked good because I think that you know you look at the record they're fourteen zero like they got here okay cool there were games in there where like they only beat Arizona State by four Arizona State I think won two games this season right um, there was a game against Oregon State where like I think they only won they were down most of the game they they ended up winning by by a few so there's been times and I, but I think like during that Michael Penix had a broken rib or whatever uh, Jalen McMillan who was who had a you know I think two touchdowns in the in the uh, in the semifinal game or at least one in, in a bunch of receiving yards he was hurt for most of the year so like this is a team that's kind of been hurt too and like now they're fully back 100%. It's also indoors. And so it's like if you're Michigan you're playing like, you know, in Lambo for the national championship. Yeah, yeah, you have the upper hand, but it's like this is a dome in Houston, bro. Like these receivers from Washington are going to be like they're going to be running down the field like as nobody's tomorrow and it's like if you, this that is the, you know, epitome of an advantage for a Washington offense that is built to play in a dome. So it just—I I feel like every everything everything I think leads me to think that Washington should win this game, but like the point spread isn't moving. There's no money coming in on Michigan, right? All all the all the analysts I listen to, you know, they're all they're all betting on uh, on on Michigan. So, I, I mean, I don't. Uh, well, you know what? Whatever. I'll just say that I I want I want I I'm going to say Washington wins. Screw it! All I, right. I, I want to go along with the crowd because, but I'm not. A, I'm not a. I'm not a sheep. I'm not a follower. Yes, yeah, right. I'm a leader. I make yeah. my. I'm, I'm an independent thinker. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. All the analysis I just provided for the last five minutes. I, I said Washington was better, and then I'm going to change my pick to Michigan. No, give me Washington.
0: All right, there you go. We got a little little deviation from the norm there. Um, but yes, that wraps up the episode for today. Was a great one being back. Um, after you know a, a little little hiatus again after our episode where we said that we were going to make an episode every week for the rest of December and January. So there you go. Uh, Yes. Hopefully we will be back um, maybe sometime next weekend or late next week, whatever, uh, for a one more episode before I go back to school. And then I will be back at school. And hopefully I'm going to say it now. And I'm going to say it again next episode to try to uh, will myself into, well, try to speak it into existence that I won't have too much work this semester again, so that I can actually do the podcast during the semester. Um, again, we, the, the March madness episodes will be a lock for sure. So don't even worry about that. We'll have you covered there. But um, the the rest of the, uh, of the semester will be kind of up to, um, up to when that comes around and when that time hits. So I'm not going to make any promises now, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try to speak it into existence and, and hope that it, that it happens. So, that's gonna be that. Um, again, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Covered a lot, but it was uh, it was definitely worth it. And a little bit of a longer episode, but that's all right. We're uh, we're chugging along here. So hope to see you guys uh, back for next episode again. Hopefully, end of next week slash next weekend, and we will see you then. So take care until then.